This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. happened to you, man? Well, uh, I pulled the muscle like, in May. Where are you from? Uh, from uh, Wesley Chapel. Oh, Wesley Chapel. <laughs> Where are you from originally? Uh, Finland. Finland, okay. I knew that wasn't a Wesley okay. Chapel accent. <laughs> I grew up near Wesley Chapel. Okay. Yeah, what happened? Well, uh, when they prayed, I just felt the power of God, and yeah. I don't have any pain when I do come this. On, come on. What happened to it? In in month of May, I carried something too heavy and I lift, uh, pulled a muscle. So I have had, you know, struggle. Pain since May. Hmm? Since May, you've been in pain. Yeah. Uh -huh. And now you don't feel any pain. I don't feel any pain when Come I on. do this. Come on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. God bless you. What happened to you, sir? Uh, about six years ago, I tore this part, the back back side of my uh -huh. shoulder. Um, and it, I had rehabilitation done, but it's never been the same. I've never been able to, I can't pray, raise my hands in worship uh, without putting this one down. This one's fine. This one's always been, and I couldn't do this without, I can feel it. Can you do it now? Yeah. Totally fine. Totally fine. What happened tonight? What, what did you feel tonight? Just, just the presence. Just, just the presence, just the presence of, God. of God. What did it peace, feel like? Just peace, like perfect peace inside. You know, just this heavy presence of peace on me. Did you feel anything tangible mm -hmm. on your shoulder? No, just, just, peace. just peace. And then as soon as you asked me to test feel it. Feel that up here? Yeah. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, it is. It's really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, come on. Come on. Stay up. You stay up here. You stay up here. What happened? Where are you from? Originally Montana. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great place. Okay. What happened tonight? Um, well, I've... I tore my labrum a long time ago, my shoulder. Yeah. Um, but I, when they were praying for me, I was being a little selfish because I have four herniated discs in my lower back as well. Uh -huh. And um, I, I've dealt with pain my entire life in my lower back, and I don't feel any pain in my lower back right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do that forever, then. Just, yeah. just deal with them. Uh, Miyagi teach you good, very good. Okay, so you're you're completely. It feels freedom. great right now. And my neck, I herniated disc in my neck. And as then well. what do you feel there? Everything great. Feels great. Everything's great. It feels, it feels how, great. How long has it been since you felt like this? I, I mean, I played sports in college. A lot of injuries. So it's uh, since I can remember. Wow. Yeah. And did you feel anything like happen tonight when you got prayer? Anything? Like I felt heat. my back a little warmer. Yeah. Um, I felt some warming in my neck and shoulder. And man, wow. yeah, I'm feeling great right now. It's amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Pray, buddy. Wow. You can say, what, what happened? Uh, so I have a tear tendon in my right shoulder. And I felt like the Lord brought me today. Like it was love. I felt, go there, you will get healed today. Wow. And, and, um, and it has been like two years, but like uh, two months ago, I went to the doctor and he said, you have so much therapy, so much things that you have to have surgery. Uh, he, he put an injection on it and he helped me for like a month. Uh -huh. But uh, I, I told the doctor, yeah, thank you for, for what you're saying to me, but I, I don't want to do, I don't want to do, I don't want to do, 
I don't want to do uh, surgery. It's not going to happen. He said, that's the only option. I said, thank you, but that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> then I, I, I grabbed my promise, and I felt like... What happened tonight? What did you feel? So, so uh, TJ was praying for me, and it was fine, but I, I, I kept walking. I felt like the pain was going down and down. Yes, to here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from there to here. So now he asked me, "What's the pain?" When you came to testify, you felt it. Yes, yes. That happens a lot. Yeah. So he asked me, "What's the pain?" I say, "Like for nine right now, five. And I started walking, and right now it's like two, three. It's still a three. Stand on there. All right, Lord, you took it from a nine to a three. So in Jesus' name. Let your wonderful healing power flow through that shoulder. Let the the substance of your spirit, in the name of Jesus, heal every, every, every piece of the shoulder. In Jesus' name. All of it goes. Put the mic to his mouth. What do you feel? Yeah, less, less pain. Okay, I well, couldn't well, do well, that. Father, just start praying. But not, not violently. Don't beg. Just, just worship. You don't have to beg. That's not how it, how it works. Go right now. All the way out. All the way out. All the way out. Command the pain to go. Do you feel uh, loose? Yes. Okay. Where's the <laughs> Any more pain? Just tiny, like one. Where are we at? Like one. Okay. It's just really deep inside. That's just tiny. Really deep inside. Huh? Yes. Not too deep for the Lord. <laughs> Lord, you made this shoulder. Can you pick those up just a little? In the name of Jesus. As Miller said, there's a stripe for every need. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. All right, check it out. (laughs) What was any pain? No. Come on. This, Jorge, this is what I just heard. When, as soon as your hand went up, the Lord hasn't forgotten about your family at all. And there's a major provision coming to you. <laughs> the, like this need you've had, the Lord is meeting it. He's going to meet it. Like I see him literally releasing a treasure to meet your need. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Isn't he wonderful? Yes, he's amazing. Oh, he's amazing. Wonderful. <laughs> Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Come, come, come. Lord, fill him. Just pray. Fill him with fire. Fill him with real fire. Holy Ghost fire. Fill him. Fill him. Fill him up. Fill him up. The Lord is phenomenal. Sir, what happened? You have a great outfit on. Come on. What happened? I, it wasn't tonight. Okay. It was two Sundays ago. Yeah. And I was going to stay quiet, but I can't. Good. 
Um, I came two Sundays ago, and then you said at the end of the service that if you came for a healing miracle to pass. Uh-huh. And I didn't come for a miracle. I came to church. Uh-huh. Well, in March, I got into an accident. I was riding a bicycle. I crashed into a truck. You crashed into a truck? Yes. Wow. And I have been taking therapy. And in January, I'm set up for surgery for both of my shoulders. So um, my wife tells me, go pass. And I say, but I didn't come for a miracle. Where's your wife? So then you say, if you want a healing miracle, I want you to pass. And I came down here. And uh, you call a crew to pray. And somebody named Jim. Uncle Jim. Yes. Is that him? Yeah, Uncle Jim. Yes. So, um, so then he started praying for me, and I couldn't hear what he was praying. Mm-hmm. But then uh, he said, what's, what's going on with you? And I said, I have a problem with my shoulder. And then he started praying, and then he said, can you do something that you were not able to do? Um, then I tried to lift my, lift my arms up. I couldn't. Right. And he said, what happened? I said, I'm still in pain. And then he started praying again. Mm-hmm. And then he said, can you do that again? And I went back again. And I said, I'm still in pain. Mm-hmm. And inside of me, I'm fighting. And I'm saying, if he asks me 25 times, I'm going to say that I'm in pain because I'm not going to lie. Right. So the third time that he called someone else, I don't know who that person was. So he grabbed my right shoulder, Jim. Oh, so he called in for agreement. Back up. Yeah, yeah, back up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man, Jim. Right. So then... Who'd you call? John. John Reed. Juanito. Good. So I couldn't see him, but then he started praying for this shoulder, which is the wor- was the worst. Uh-huh. And uh, the other guy started praying for this shoulder. And then he started praying. I couldn't hear what he said, but he said, something shift now. Lift up your arm. And I went like this. I literally backed away. I said, what did he do to me? <laughs> I was scared. And he said, can you do that again? Uh-huh. I mean, I could not do this. So. Are you pain free now? Well. It doesn't end there. It what? It did not, it did not end there. Okay, okay. So then I went to my wife and those people, this guy right here, this tubo head, and they are my, they are my family. The what? They are my family. Oh. So I what go to them, them, yes. Oh, and I okay. go to them okay. and I say, I, <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. And I keep on saying that. And I was, I mean, I wasn't shocked. And it wasn't until, until we started going home, then I started steaming coming out of my shoulder. And I've been steam, like this this yeah, hat that you're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It is real. On the way home? Yes. She was, she was driving. Who, who's she? Oh, your my wife. wife. Okay. I'm so she's it. driving, and I said I didn't because I didn't feel anything here. Uh huh. The steam I started feeling it when I was she was driving, and I was right. like, wait a so minute, awesome. I feel like it's like fires is coming out of my shoulder. Wow. And it's been three weeks, and I have been completely pain-free. Wow, come on. So, 
I, I don't know if I need surgery or not, but I've been pain-free. You're pain-free? Pain-free. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bless you. Jorge, where are you going, buddy? <laughs> you needed the Lord. All right. Is there someone, just, yeah, grab your seats. There's someone who had a minor tear in th this section over here. You, you hurt your knee like there's a minor tear in the knee. You, Aprilie? Somebody here? You can grab it too. Any, anyone here? Yeah, you. Uh, how do you know these guys? College stuff. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> Were you born again? Oh, he is. Oh, wonderful. Well, I looked over here while they were testifying, and I, I, I saw a knee go like this. Like, kick. Did you tear something? Um, I played sports throughout high school, so, like, uh -huh. I had a minor tear in my uh, MCL. Okay. So, like, I get pain in it from time to time. From time like, to time. It's really, really bad, yeah. So like, to where I can barely walk on it Are you hurting sometimes. now? It feels good right now. It feels good right now. Okay, well, let's play anyways. Okay. The Lord has a plan, so... And you too, Aprilie. Sophia, you get in on it. <laughs> All right, come on, stretch your hands. We got one here, one here. All right. Father, you are good. You're wonderful. And you reveal these things to heal these things. So we speak. Come on, I need you. David, pick it up and something a little heavier, just a little more full. Stretch your hands. Father, not like that, David. <laughs> Everyone just stretch your hands and start praying. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for your healing power. let it flow through his knee. Thank you for repairing and healing. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you wouldn't have any way of knowing you got healed tonight? In a week. Okay, where do you, are you, y'all are all hanging out now? All right, so can you come back? Yeah, I can come back. You'll come back? I'll come okay. back. Okay. All right. You too, Aprilie. Do you any shift in your knee or anything? It's on fire. That's a good thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, give the Lord praise. All right. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, we love you. All right, take your Bibles. It's time to preach Jesus. Are you ready? All right, write this down. 
Write this down. The longer I walk with Jesus, the less convinced I should be of my own strength and ability. How many of you were blessed last week here with Eric? And wasn't that amazing? Just such a holy night. So precious to be with Jesus that way. Eric said his life was changed uh, on Sunday night. He told me he was watching tonight. He said, I'm watching every second of Sunday night. But something we've been talking about this week is the reducing power of the Lord. What, this is what I mean by that. He doesn't add complexity to us as we walk with him. Maybe you're saying, well, he adds to our lives. He's the God of multiplication. He's the God of, is that a pad? No. I understand our mindset, what we are trying to say. Are you sure there's nothing playing? Hmm. No. Well, maybe it is. But what the Lord is really after is this divine reduction in that by the end of this whole thing, our only vision and obsession is his face. Yes, he gives good things to us, but as you walk with him, his desire is that we see him in those things. So what the Lord doesn't do is add complexity. He, things do not get more complicated. They're not intended to as you walk with the Lord. And you hear this at the end of Paul's life in Philippians 3. Paul says, there's now one thing I want. I want to know him. I want the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, and I call those the bookends of the person of Jesus. Here you have the Jesus in the power of his resurrection, who is this mighty lion, the firstborn from the dead, who absolutely plundered death. Listen to me, that should make you happy, by the way. He plundered death, that way you don't have to fear death, you don't fear the grave, and Jesus completely plundered hell. And if you belong to him, you should be very thankful that your eternal destination is not the lake of fire. Say amen. amen. Jesus is mighty. He is king. He is victorious. He is the author of life, the Bible calls him. He is the author and perfecter of our faith and the finisher Jesus is incredibly powerful. He dwells in inapproachable light. John saw him on the Isle of Patmos and John fell as dead. If you can just keep sipping your cappuccino after you have a 
open vision of Jesus, I just kind of wonder if it was legit. That was cool, Papa. I mean, seeing you is great. Here's another sip. Bite your protein bar. I went to heaven just now eating my protein bar. I'm like, really? I don't know about that. The Bible says John fell as though he were dead and needed assistance just to get back up. This is the might of the Lord. Jesus did not show up in the book of Matthew. Jesus is absolutely eternal. That's why John begins with, in the beginning was the word. This is the eternal nature of Jesus. He is absolutely divine. He is fully God, fully man. He is mighty in the power of his resurrection. When Martha walked up to Jesus, wondering if Lazarus would get up, Jesus said, I am resurrection and life. Why is that important? This is why. And you've heard me say this before. He doesn't just raise us with resurrection, but he keeps us alive as he is life. If he were only resurrection, Lazarus would have sat up and died a second later. But he is the one who raises us and keeps us alive. He is the one who sustains us. I'm talking to somebody here who thinks everything is over. You think you're too far gone. You think God is done with you. You think God can't redeem your life. You've made too many mistakes. Jesus is resurrection. So Paul cried in his heart, I want to know him. This is a full-blown experience, a full-blown encounter. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is what he's saying. I want to know him. And these are the bookends of his person, the power of his resurrection and the one who is tender enough to suffer. He is a lion and a lamb at the same time on the same day. I am fully convinced that if the whole world fell in love with Jesus, they would ascend above all their issues. I believe that. You're like, no, 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 no. It can't just be. Oh, it can just be. I have issues. I'm not perfect. But I know who the remedy is. I can also tell you that most of my issues died in the inferno of his love. And I lovingly want to say this to you. If you're waiting for us to get to a sermon that will teach you how to do stuff, this probably isn't the place for you. Because learning to do something outside of his presence, you don't even have to be born again to do that. To, to, to say that you need more than Jesus is to say that he's not everything. Well, I know what you mean, but, no, you don't know what I mean if you're saying but. He is everything. 
So Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him. And when did Paul say this? After he Christianized most of Asia Minor. After he was whipped, beaten, left for dead, shipwrecked, shook a serpent off of his own hand and laughed at it, raised the dead, angels talked to him in the storms as he's on the ship. This is a mighty man who wrote over half of the New Testament. He had much to glory in, much to be into. My friend Banning Liebscher, do you guys know who Banning is? Banning, he leads Jesus culture. He's coming to teach in the school, and this is what he wrote me. He said, bro, what have you guys been leaning into? How can I best serve the environment? That was the quickest reply ever. This is what we're leaning into, being radical lovers of Jesus. Pure, simple, singular, radical lovers of Jesus who have eyes for one. So after Paul Christianizes most of Asia Minor, writes over half of the New Testament, raises the dead, preaches so long that a young man falls out of a window and dies. All preachers, are, all good ones are long-winded. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we made the clock the Lord. Paul preaches, this young man falls out of a window. Paul goes down there, raises him from the dead, and says, get back up there, I'm still preaching. <laughs> That's what happened. And Paul kept going. Paul was such a discipler that many theologians believe when Paul was stoned and left for dead that he actually died. And the scriptures teach that his disciples stood around him and prayed for him. Many believe that they raised him from the dead. That's when you know you're gonna doing a good job discipling people. It's really important to sow and invest in your team. You never know when you might need them. They don't throw any stones at the team. And Paul's just taking them one after the other, and he dies. And the Bible says, you reap what you sow. He clearly sowed the power and presence of Jesus. They went up and raised their leader. Y'all need to learn how to do that. <laughs> We're talking about an amazing man. Discipled by Gamaliel, circumcised on the eighth day, had an encounter in the third heaven saw things that he, he knew were not even legal to talk about. Do you, know, do you understand the holiness that the Lord is wanting to bring the church into? Really, the holiness. I hear questions, well, how can they do this and still be okay with God? I'm like, you're not in love. Well, love, when you're in love with your wife, you go, I would like to, I mean, is it three affairs or four that would cause you to divorce me? How far can I go? 
But I'm telling you, there's a holiness even hitting, I'm telling you this, by the Spirit, there's a holiness hitting our corporate gatherings where people are gonna be stuck in adoration. Stuck. There will be so little that will be said, but the holy, saintly glory of the Lord will be here and our hearts will beat as one. That's what the Lord's doing. There's this invitation into holiness, into the depths of his light. You don't hear this kind of thing anymore. Do you know why? Because union, union with Jesus in many circles is no longer the goal. Do you know grace is a person? But the only thing is, I can't say in the name of grace, receive it. That means Jesus is bigger than grace. I heard someone say once, I found grace at the altar. My heart, my heart leapt. Did you find Jesus too? I hope so. The Lord's inviting us into the depths of his glory. Into the depths. The, the Bible says regarding Moses that Moses entered the cloud and pierced the darkness. There's this external shrouding of darkness in the presence of the Lord. It's the mystery of God and the fire lives within it. It's his tangible glory, but there's darkness on the outside. It's, 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 it's being entrusted with the mystery of the Lord. Then God begins to pull you in deeper and deeper. I'm telling you, there will be hours and hours of meetings where we sit in silence, beholding the Lord, and God's people are going to beam, beam the presence of Jesus. Beam, he's gonna be center stage. He's not just gonna be center stage, he's gonna fill the corner of the room. He's not just the guest of honor, he's the only one worthy of our affection. He's not just central, he fills it all. Paul, having done these amazing things, gets to the end of his life, and from a prison that Jesse and I have been in in Rome, where the ceiling's about five feet tall, he writes this. I just want to know him. It's all I care about anymore. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to plant another church. I'm going to do another meeting. I'm going to have another event. Those are not bad in themselves. But the heart cry of one who is, who's in love is this. I want you and no one else. It was said of Finney, I believe. I believe it was Finney. He spent six days with God, and on the seventh day he came out, and the church watched him burn. I think pastors have been so busied by consumerism in the church that they can't even pray anymore. Instead of being saintly vessels, they've been forced into being Christian CEOs. And you can shroud it all in wisdom, structure, administration, all of that's important. 
But if the presence leaves, if the presence leaves, what are we building? Do you follow me? You hear this in Paul. From a prison, he writes this, in this Roman prison to the Philippian church, which is in Greece, in Thessaloniki. He writes this, I just want to know him. Here's my question. What if we didn't wait till we were about to die to get there in our heart? What if that's all we cared about? What if that's all you cared about? You say, oh, but I'd lose so much. Yeah, you sure would. You would lose a lot. Oh my God, you said that? Oh yeah, I said that. You have to lose it all. The deeper you go, as Bill says, the less you can take with you. You mean everything? Oh, I mean everything. You gotta lose it all. Everything. That relationship. Yep. If God didn't give it to you. Oh, but I'm gonna get him saved. Ah, good luck. <laughs> you can't get him saved. Only the Holy Spirit can get him saved. Oh, I'm just gonna go down there. I hang out in the club because, I mean, I, I like to minister to people there. Really? That's why you're more wasted than them? People, say, oh, people ask me all the time, how do you get people saved every week in church? We're in love with Jesus. We're in love. Do you know the average church in America sees less than one person saved a year? When you become an employee instead of the bride, people feel it. I'm talking about being a saint. This internal craving, this deep ache in the heart breaks you down, makes you laugh and cry all at the same time. I'm telling you, it's so deep, it's, it's just pulling, it's like a, a holy weight. Eric texts me a few days, he goes, what is this ache, bro, what's the ache? What am I feeling? I said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit yearning for the one he loves in your body. Is this amazing to you? That's not your ache. That's the ache of the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God being shed abroad, Romans 5, 5, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. <laughs> the Lord has taken your body and invited you into a love affair. The Holy Spirit loves Jesus. And the Father is jealous, the scripture says, of the Holy Spirit who's in you. That's the ache, that's the pull. You should slap your neighbor. I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> He's in there crying out, come Lord Jesus, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Yes. That's what's happening in there. He only pulls like that in the bride. Only the bride finds that call. 
you, you, you can't get there if you're not the bride. Spirit and the bride say, come. Paul says, crying out, I want to know him. You know what that means? I want to see him. I want to hear him. I want to feel him. I want to commune with him. I want to talk to him about everything. I want to dream of him. I want the ceiling to blow open and eliminate the divide in my prayer room. I want heaven to flood my house. That's what Paul's saying. I, I want to know him. I want to be one with him. I know I am, but I want to know the oneness. Is he who is joined to the Lord? Not one spirit, Paul said. One spirit with the Lord. I want to know Jesus. And you know what drives us so crazy in the most beautiful way? He's in us. So if we don't know him, it is not his fault. Well, we feel so far. He's in. What do you mean? How, how much closer could he get? He's right here. From your innermost being will flow rivers, rivers of living water. From your belly will gush forth rivers. I'm in a dry spell because you're drinking from another fountain. The rusty ones that aren't alkaline. You're just looking elsewhere. My heart grieves. Listen to me. I know what leaders are trying to say. I know what they're trying to say. But I think there's a better way to say it. So it's not judgment, but I think there's just a better way to articulate this. When I hear leaders in the West say, the answer for the world's problems is the local church. I say, well, if that's the case, Dallas should be glorified. There's a church on every corner. You ever driven through Charlotte? You can't go a half a block. We were just there, our team, for a partner breakfast. I've never seen so many churches in my life. It's not the local church that is the hope of the nations. It's Jesus in the church that's the hope of the nation. He's the desire of the nations. It's him. And Paul's tapping into this. This is what he's saying. I have done so much. He said, I have labored greater than the rest of the apostles. Did you hear that statement? That's crazy. He's saying, I have done more than them all. And then he writes this. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And this is who I want to know. The one who is power and the one who suffers. I want all of him. Are you ready? I have 13 more minutes, as if I care right now. <laughs> he said this, I want the Jesus who's glorified and the Jesus with holes in his hands and feet. I want the Jesus who makes me uncomfortable. I want the Jesus who has a broken heart 
And I want the Jesus who walks on the Sea of Galilee as the dominating lion. I want it all. I want heaven's diadem and I want the crown of thorns. I want the Jesus who's been stripped naked and I want the Jesus who's clothed in a robe of glory that fills the temple. What's he trying to say? He, this is what he's saying. I think he's beautiful in all his ways. I want the Jesus who corrects me and chastens me in his love and I want the Jesus who just breathes the breath of life into me as the rose of Sharon. What, you, what language are you hearing here? Addiction. Addiction. It's like, I want them all. Madame Guyon said, I want the Jesus who hangs on a cross as much as I want the Jesus who's been transfigured on a mountain. Is Jesus still, is the Jesus who multiplied bread and fish still attractive to you when he's carrying a cross all alone? You say, why is that important? Because if you hold his hand long enough, you will carry yours too. And you can't scream your way out of that one. Can't shout it out. Can't read it out. You can read it in the scriptures. You can't find a book. You can't find a book to fellowship with the suffering. Oh. When you're in pain, and you realize since he's married to you, then he's in pain. What? Oh, yeah. That's the whole point of being a high priest, isn't it? We have a savior, a high priest, who is acquainted, acquainted with us. He's acquainted with grief. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. When you are in pain, Jesus is in pain with you because he's married to you. Oh, you said prove it to me in the scriptures. I will. He came to Saul and said, why do you persecute me? Remember, Saul was killing Christians stoning them, and then Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. How many of you remember that? How many of you don't care? Here Jesus appears to them, to him on the road to Damascus, and this is what he said. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul could have easily said, what do you mean? I'm stoning them, not you. But Jesus is so in love with us, so married to us, so committed to us, so faithful, so loyal, so one, that the moment Paul touched, Saul touched them, he touched him. Oh. And there are some valleys that you just can't, listen, you just cannot receive the full blessing in unless you allow his suffering heart to become yours. You say, what? I don't understand. Oh, yeah. It's in the book of Hebrews. They chose not deliverance. There's certain things you walk through that you know. 
This one I am going through, but I'm not going alone. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. If you realize that Jesus is suffering with you, I'm not sure we're ready for this one. But let's jump in the let's just jump in the pool. You realize he's suffering with you, even though you're in pain. Help me, help me. Very selfish. If, when you realize you're in pain and you realize he's in pain with you, his heart, that his heart is grieving. There is this side to him. This is what Paul's talking about. If you turn your attention from your pain and minister to his, yours will disappear. You missed it. You missed it. But I love you, but you missed it. You walk into a city to preach the gospel, you're rejected. You try to share the gospel with a family member, you're rejected. You're cut off. People don't want anything to do with you. You come to Jesus' school, your family cuts you off because they believe some lie that they saw on social media. What happens all the time? All of a sudden, you suffer rejection. You're in pain. And then you realize that you're one with Jesus. And if you're one with Jesus, since he's your husband, you begin to discover he is grieving along with you. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. In that moment, instead of becoming a reject by rejection, you begin to turn your affection to the Lord and you say things like this, Lord Jesus. Pick that up a little bit. Lord Jesus, forgive them for hurting you by the way they are treating me. <laughs> then your eyes are off of you. And now the devil's got a problem. He's got a big problem now. Because he gave you his best shot. And you just turned it into perfume. You took that arrow that cut you through. You took that potion that a witch concocted to mess with you, that a Jezebel concocted to shut you down. You took the gossip, those fiery darts that hit you in the back, and they're in there. You pulled them out with the word of God. You took them and threw them in holy fire. You took them into prayer. You, you, you took the words. You took the pain. You took the unjust criticism. You took it into the fire of prayer, into the fire of worship, and you threw them in there. You took the fiery darts and threw them into a much stronger fire. And God melts them down in there, you see? And all of a sudden, you take your pain and you say, oh, Jesus, I know this hurts you too. Well, you say, show it to me in the Bible. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
And now you begin praying for your enemies. Truly loving your enemies. You can't do it on your own. But your bridegroom begins to teach you his ways that are higher ways. You become unoffendable. And the devil keeps putting out these little tripwires. Trip on this, react to this, speak back, fight back, justify yourself, fight for yourself, knowing full well if you fight for you, God can't. God can't. So you take the accusation and you say, Jesus, I'm throwing it into the fire, the inferno. And then the Lord begins to melt it down and then you pour your heart out under your bridegroom. Jesus, thank you for the privilege. You said this would happen to me. You said we would be hated just because we belong to you. That promise cannot be prayed away. He said we would be hated for his namesake. Wait, you mean like I don't have to do anything wrong? No, you don't have to do anything wrong. You can do everything right. You'll be hated. The question is, what do you do with the blood that's flowing from your wounded heart? You do what the disciples did on the temple steps. This is how you gain ground. These are the secret victories that nobody talks about. The Bible says promotion comes from above. Can I, can I talk to you straight? When on the Lord touched me, this is what he said. In 2006, this isn't about you, Michael. I'm gonna give you a message so old. This was actually 04. I'm gonna give you a message so old it'll sound new again. The message of Jesus. I didn't even know what he meant. I said, I'll take it. Sounds great. Tried everything else. Then he told me a few things. You carry your own Bible. Carry your own bags. Open your own door. You're a servant first and foremost. Now sometimes I forget my Bible because I get so touched by the Holy Spirit. Usually every week. I forget my Bible here. So our team will grab it. If you grab it, I will form tackle you. In love. I love my Bible. Oh, I love this Bible. Don't you ever hug your Bible? It's his heart on paper. Don't you just love your Bible? But the Lord said, you hold your own Bible, you open your own doors, you carry your own bags. He was teaching me something of his heart. And today we think that we're teaching people that if you serve us hard enough, God will one day use you. That's not necessarily the road to promotion. It can be part of the road to promotion. Serving is who we are. We don't serve. Jesus did not wash feet with a rag. He first wore the rag and then washed feet. He put it on as a garment. See, some people serve, but Jesus is a servant. He wore the garment. He took on the identity. He's just like, this is who I am. I'm gonna take off my rabbi's robe and wear this one. This is who I am. Don't you love him? It's amazing. 
So yeah, serving's beautiful, but God doesn't just promote people because they carried a preacher's Bible or did something special. Who's he looking for? The ones who win in silence. The ones who win when nobody's looking. The ones who win those battles that the world will never, ever know about. Like the time you wrote a check to someone who hated you. The time you paid someone's tuition that you didn't even like. Students, hopefully you like each other. Let me close with this. The disciples say, we are preaching Jesus because they are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is after the book of Acts. And they are beaten on the temple steps for preaching Jesus. And while they're being beaten, uh, literally beaten, they look at each other, they're on their knees, they look at each other, and the Bible says they rejoice for being counted worthy to suffer for the Lord's name. Let me put that in perspective. Me, Johannes, and Chris are being beaten down for preaching Jesus, and in the middle of it we go, this is awesome! Dude, yeah, do it again. More. Chris, you only got hit nine times. I got 12. This is such a privilege. What union do you have to step into to rejoice over that? But when that happens in you, let me tell you what happens. The devil goes, I'm having trouble with this one. I'll come back another time. I think the, the, those who are convinced of their own weakness are the most terrifying to hell. I think it's the ones who walk in, get up there on the platform, who know exactly what they're gonna do, exactly what they're gonna preach, the exact set list they're gonna sing are convinced in their own ability, convinced in their own skills. They have perfect pitch, the harmony's perfect, they can play, they're trained, and they know exactly what's gonna happen every second, shoulders are back. I was born for this, this is my moment. The devil goes, I can play with this one. And then you get someone like Catherine Kuhlman who walks out, and in her natural ability, she's terrified. She knows in her own strength she brings nothing to the table. And so she says this, you don't understand, I died a thousand deaths. What is she saying? I had to die every time I took the platform. I knew I didn't have what it takes. But in my weakness, he is made strong. This is this craving to know the Lord. Eric said this, to, I, uh, we were talking on the way here. He goes, bro, we can't take love out of this thing. This is all about love, the love of Jesus. Psalm 18.1 says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. David's saying, I have no strength unless I'm in love. We've been reduced. You ready? Thank God we're being reduced to Jesus lovers. <laughs> I got one gun. 
I got one weapon. I got one. We've got one message, one heartbeat. The Lord himself. Stand to your feet. Jesus, you're wonderful. Just lift your hands. Begin praying in the spirit. Come on. Come on, out loud. Begin praying in the spirit. Oh, Jesus, we love you. How we love you. Yes, Father, I'll do it. Tosh, how is, how is Pastor Glenn doing? Slowly better. I want, I want us all, I don't want anyone moving right now. Nobody. I want us, we're gonna about to pray for someone who's in the hospital. He had a massive heart attack. From what I gather, he actually, he had cardiac arrest. Glenn Berteau has shaken the world, really, and built a wonderful church in, it's in Modesto, the father's house. What's it called? The house, the house. And then my friend, and I think they're watching right now, Pastor George, he's pastor of The Rock in Gainesville, Florida. It was a hub and is a hub of revival. I remember it in high school. So many hundreds, if not thousands, of students at University of Florida born again through this ministry. He's just received a diagnosis in his body, and, I, and he needs a miracle. It is not like, it's, it's, he's, he is trusting God for a miracle. So Father, come on, just lift your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I want us all as a family right now to release right now, release the word of healing. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up Pastor Glenn Berto to you. And we thank you, Lord, that your presence, your power is descending in that hospital room. And that, come on, agree with me, that you will raise him up, Lord. Raise him up to preach another day, to father another day, to be a husband another day, to be a granddaddy. Lord Jesus, I pray that the life of the Spirit, your resurrection power, that it would fall and fill his body in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for Pastor George Brantley that your healing power would flow, that it would flow right now. Let it flow. Every cell that is not from you must die in Jesus' name. Let the healing balm of Gilead flow through Pastor George's body, and we declare life over you, Pastor George. Life over you, Nathan. Life over you, Steph. Life over your family. In Jesus' name, be whole. Wonderful Holy Spirit, thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.